Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, Lee. Can you guys hear me? Just realized that we never tested the mic this morning, um, but our guys are on top of it as always. Yeah, I am so excited to be here this morning. Oh, um, the Word of God is so practical. I think sometimes we forget just how practical because we do think about um, just these, these thoughts that are so huge and the, these, these theological concepts that are so grand, we forget how applicable Scripture is for our everyday lives. And this is, this is no different in that our passage today is just, it's the passage that, that has been very practical this week to me, as, as we will explain. I also realized I didn't even uh, get set up here. So there we go. <laughs> there we go. And so let me start by asking you a question. <clears throat> Have your hearts ever been troubled? Yes. yes thank you. <laughs> so I won't ask it again since you already responded. I actually had it twice. Uh, so what do you do? What do you do when your heart is troubled? What do you do when your life is overwhelming? What do you do when you lose someone who's close to you? Like what, what do you? what do you do? As many of you know, this, this past week, I lost my father-in-law to cancer. Uh, my wife lost her awesome, awesome um, father. And yesterday, it's, it's, been, it's been a hectic week, so yesterday I preached at his memorial, and I, I, I preached what preachers have preached at, at funerals and memorials since, you know, the whole age of the church, which is John chapter 14, and this hope that we have in Christ. What does it mean to have a hope in Christ? Like, what's the difference between acknowledging that Christ exists or having a theological concept or construct that you believe? Well, how does that actually apply? How is that actually hopeful and not just information? <clears throat> and so today, again, and, and, and praise God for his providence that, that this John 14 that I was able to preach from yesterday an entirely different sermon just so happened to be what we're preaching through this week. And so I was able to actually write two sermons very emotionally, and I didn't have to do like this ton of homework because I was already in that chapter. I would, I would have had no idea how to plan that, of course. <clears throat> and so this passage, it's a passage that you will often find if you know somebody who um, is a chaplain if you know somebody who works at a hospital or a hospice, in their Bible, this will probably be the most worn out page, right? John 14, because this is, this, is this is what they go to, because what we find here is the answer and the solution to a troubled heart. In fact, the first verse of chapter 14, one of my favorite verses, it says, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. And so what's interesting about that is it's not like a like a suggestion. Like, here's another option. You could just not let your heart be troubled. That's another option. No, it's in the indicative. It's a command. Like, Jesus is saying, let not your hearts be troubled. And so this morning, we're going to go through John chapter 14, verses 1 through 11, and see and believe and be obedient to, to 
this command to not let our hearts be troubled. Let me pray for us before we start. Heavenly Father, uh, I need you always so desperately. Um, but even this morning, as you know, I, I'm still full of emotions. Lord, let me communicate uh, this truth well. <clears throat> A truth that is so practical to all of our lives, especially lives, Lord, where our troubles, Lord, those moments where our lives and, and hearts are troubled. Lord, may we accept this truth from your word. Lord, may you apply it, Lord, to our understanding, Lord, and the way we operate and deal with this life, Lord. May we make much of Jesus this morning, and may you enjoy, Lord, us enjoying what we have and, and who we are in you, Lord. Amen. And so today we are not going to have slides. You're, you're going to notice that right off the bat. Um, my wife makes my slides for me. Like, that is not my skill set. She is awesome at making slides. I did not ask her to make slides um, this morning. But to be honest, we're not leaving John 14. I don't think we actually leave John 14 the whole time. I think I have one quote. So you can actually just look at your Bible. So you won't need slides this morning. <clears throat> so verse 1, it says, and this is Jesus talking to the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. And so we, we, we can infer, deduct from this, well, if Jesus is asking, the, I'm not asking, if he's commanding the disciples to not let his, their hearts be troubled, then what's their danger? It's their hearts being troubled, right? And so this is, Jesus is talking to a room full of disciples. You can imagine the looks on their faces. They are not in a good place. And so what's the problem? <clears throat> well, I know it's been a couple of weeks, but as we've gone through John 13, like their world has been turned upside down. Like in a couple of minutes, Jesus has said, I got less than a day. I'm about to die. Not only that, one of you is going to be the one who betrays me. But as we talked about, only John knows. So they are, they are in this room sitting there thinking, wondering, am I going to be the one who's going to betray Jesus? And so they have that fear. Jesus has already told John, you're going to reject me. Like you're going to reject me by morning. Not only that, Jesus knows that they are all going to reject him. They are all going to scatter. They are all going to scatter in Jesus' moment of need. And then shortly after, well, it, it's good news that they're, they're going to come back, right? And they're going to form the church and start the church. It's going to be awesome. But then what? Systematically, one by one, they are going to be killed. They're going to be martyred. And it's with all this in mind that Jesus still looks at them, looks into their desperate faces and says, let not your hearts be troubled, knowing all this is about to go down. <clears throat> and although our troubles are not the troubles of the disciples, we, we have troubles, right? I mean, church, when we do, I don't know if we're acknowledging it, but I mean, let's just, just, just take a little inventory here. The cost of living, right? Somebody groan? Oh, the cost of living, are you kidding me? It's this out of control. Uh, crime rates. You know, every time I, I, I go onto YouTube, I get a recommendation just in Bakersfield about something that happened just in our very small city. You know, corruption. Corruption in leaders, in politicians, everywhere. Violence around the world. Cultural wars. You know how many Christians I know who can't stand June anymore? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, people don't like June because of all the, the propaganda. I won't get too far into that, but you know what I'm talking about. 
Like, we hate a month of the year. <coughs> so this is bad. And of course, the disciples here, like us, they're also dealing with the reality of death, right? So their troubled hearts, are, I mean, this is about the fact that Jesus is about to die, and it's very overwhelming. And it says, again, in verses 1 through 3, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again for you and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. In other words, Jesus has the, 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 the solution. Jesus has the cure, right, for your heart hurting and aching and for having a troubled heart. And so Jesus' response to this room that, that, of brokenhearted people is, guys, believe in me. <laughs> guys, believe in me. Like, I am going to prepare a place. This isn't it. I am leaving here to go prepare a place for us. Believe in me. I am preparing a place for those who believe in me. And that is the hope, church, that, that transcends having a troubled heart. That promise of Jesus that we're going to be back together that we are going to be united with him someday, that we're going to be with him in his Father's house. And so the answer to the troubled heart is, Jesus says, is belief. And so this morning, we're going to look at three truths Jesus says that you must believe in order to get over, over having this troubled heart. Now, it may go without saying, but we're not necessarily talking about a physical heart here. And so when he says troubled hearts, yes, there is physical elements to it. You may have high blood pressure. You may have palpitations. If you've been there, you know. You feel it. But when he's talking about the heart here, he's, he's talking about the spirit and the soul. Like, you're, you're almost your entire being. Like, you are just, you feel that trouble. And so the first truth we must believe is that Jesus and the Father are one. Now, the place we find this is verse 1 where Jesus says, believe in God and also believe in me, or believe also in me. And so we have to get this theology right first. Right? We've got to get the theology right. And look, at first, I mean, let's be honest, what does it look like it says here? It looks like it says, like Jesus is like, you need to have two beliefs, in God and in me. Because that's the way a lot, a lot of Bibles translate. And it's sort of tricky in the Greek, how to, how to translate that. But what Jesus is actually saying is that by believing in one, you are believing in the other. Or how could you believe in one without believing in the other? Now, I think that actually the, you know, you don't hear me say this often, but I think the King James Version has the best translation of this. <clears throat> you believe in God, therefore believe in me. And I think that is the spirit of what Jesus is saying right there. Like, how could you say you believe in one without believing in the other? And then in verse 6, you know, what we find in verse 6, if you skip a little bit ahead, is another I am proclamation of Jesus where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we'll unpack that in a few minutes, but I want to continue reading Verse 7, where he says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. 
From now on, you do not know him. Or from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so here we find the difficult reality where Jesus is clearly saying, like, God the Father and himself, but he's also saying, like, we're also the same. We are also the same. And look, if this morning you find that a difficult concept, that, that, that the Father and the Son are God, well, be encouraged by just reading ahead in verse 8. Because listen to what Philip says. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And so, and so really what Philip is, is having a horrible time as well. He's not understanding this concept. He's like, look, we believe you, but also if you could just show us the Father. <coughs> so he has, he has no faith. He doesn't get it at all. So just take comfort in that. But listen to Jesus' response, because this is important right here. This is what we need to believe. In verses 9 through 11, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. And so, um, it sounds a little redundant, but I mean, look, Jesus is stressing this. He said the same thing like four, the, the same thing four different ways. To Philip, like you, you just cannot believe one without the other, that him and the Father are one. And there's no distinction between word and deed. If you saw Jesus do something, you saw God the Father do something. And so hear me, hear me, church. What Jesus is saying here, what, he, what he's not telling the disciples to do, and what he's not telling you to do is to grasp this, Right? He's not telling you to articulate this, to understand it. He's asking you to believe it, right? He's asking you to believe it. Who here can seriously, you know, if you want to raise your hand, who can articulate like the Trinity? Like, yeah, we're not called. It doesn't say, Philip, you must write out this doctrinal statement about how this works. No, it says believe this. Believe if you have seen one that you have seen the other. Believe that it is true, Philip. And if we miss this, or if we don't believe this, then I believe we miss the gospel entirely. Like, we don't understand the faith if we can't believe this. This is essential. Again, this is the last hours of Jesus' life, and he's still talking about this over and over. This must be absolutely essential. We must believe Jesus and the Father are one, that they are God. But knowing that God exists, knowing that Jesus and the Father are one, is that comforting? I mean, let's be honest. If you came to me and you said, well, you know, James, this, this bad thing happened in my life. I'm struggling with this. And I answered you, well, you know God exists, right? And you know Jesus and the Father are one. Like, that's a great theological truth, but I have not comforted you. I have proclaimed truth to you, but, and so, 
<clears throat> where's the hope? Where's the comfort in this? Why, 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 is, this, why is John 14 worn out you know, in, in the chaplain's Bible? And so what we see here is after we get that theology right, we see in verse 2, it says, In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you, why, you know, that I go to prepare a place for you. In other words, why would I say this? I have no reason to even make this stuff up. Like, why would I just start talking about this stuff unless it was absolutely true, guys? So the second thing we need to do to be overcome that troubled heart is to believe that Jesus is preparing a place or has prepared a place in his Father's house for us. I hope that's the sound of air conditioning. It's a little warm up here. <clears throat> and so here's a truth for you. Hope is a place. Hope is a place. That's at least the first truth for us this morning is that hope is a place. Twice Jesus says in this passage he's going to prepare a place. Like that's not abstract. He's not talking about floating around on a cloud, playing a harp, or becoming one with the universe. Place. It is a place like this is a, is a, is a place. Somewhere out there in the cosmos, there's a literal place for us. I don't know how that works. I don't know on what sort of plane that works, but there's a physical place for us being prepared, a place in the house of God. And we aren't told what the house looks like, what's going to happen there. We aren't told anything about it except that it's the house of the Father and that Jesus is going to be there, So, which, which is all I need. I'm in, right? Anybody else in? Like, I don't need the details. I'm in. I'm in. I want to go to this place. And so the answer for the troubled, here, the ho- troubled heart here is a place in the future. <clears throat> and I think we understand this concept already, especially as adults. Especially as adults here. Because what happens if you have, like, the worst Wednesday of your life? Wednesday was horrible. Horrible day at work what's our response to that? What's our hope to the fact that Wednesday was bad? It's only two days till the weekend, right? So I only have to get through two more days. And so you have that hope in that place, right? That's the hope that is transcending the fact that it's only Wednesday. And so young people here, if you're in school, maybe like me, you had a horrible teacher one year. Horrible teacher. You couldn't wait to get through that school year. But you knew hey, next year, I'm not going to have this teacher. I have the hope of summer vacation, and I have that hope that, that, that I'm going to be in a new grade or a new school. And so you have that hope that transcends that trouble that you're going through. Um, I know for me this week, I think I talked to a couple of you this morning, but man, how much joy and hope that I have in being here with you guys this morning. It has been a long three weeks for me. You know, I'm not here, I'm not here to talk about my, <clears throat> what's going on with me, but my, my hope and my joy was getting to see you guys, because it, it has felt like three years this past three weeks, yet I can hope in, in, in this morning. I'm looking back a couple of years, <clears throat> back to when COVID started. I had just switched jobs, and I was working from home, and at the beginning of COVID, I don't know if it, what, it, what it was like out here, but we couldn't leave those first couple of weeks maybe in the first couple of months. Like, we couldn't leave the house. You know, only for, like, necessities, um, you know, to, to get medicine and stuff like that. <clears throat> and in Colorado, um, it's also snowing, so there's, like, 
snow outside, and you really feel trapped. <laughs> Not only that, so I, I had to work from home, and so my office was upstairs between the bathroom, a room, and then our, our stairs to go, down, to go downstairs. And so my whole world is like this big. It's like in this, it's not even a room, right? It's just this little desk that I get to sit on. Um, and so I had two computer screens, right? For my job, I had two screens. Um, I wasn't good at my job. I was okay. But I, but I would use one screen. I, I wasn't like, you know, Gianna can use 10 screens at once. I mean, it's just magical. But I can't. So I do everything on one screen. And so what do I do with the other screen? I went on YouTube and started looking up live feeds, cams, right, across the world. And my family knows. Like, and so I had like London, I think Oxford, Germany. I had beaches all across the world because I was trapped in that moment. My hope was like, I'm, when this is over, I'm going here. Like, there's a beach somewhere that, that I'm going to go to. And so it was right outside Ian's room. So he saw it all the time. Like, oh, where, where are you daydreaming about? about going, you know, but that's that hope of place, right? It's like, okay, even some of you, if you're planning vacations now, that's going to get you through, like, where you are in in a stressful situation. So how much more hopeful, then, to have the hope of the house of the Father, right? I mean, again, there's a reason why, why John 14 is so often used and why I have been in hospitals with people very close to me, you know, hooked up to machinery, you know, all the tubes, and, and I could read this to them to give them hope. Because I can look them in the eye and tell them, this is not the last room you're going to be in. Right? This is not the last room. Do not despair. This is not the last room that you're going to see. So let not your heart be troubled. There is a room that Jesus is preparing for you in the Father's house. And you can hope in that. And so believe that Jesus and the Father are one and that Jesus is preparing a place for us in his Father's house for those who believe. You know, I was kind of thinking about how to, how to phrase that. What do we, what do we call this? Jesus' Father's house? Like... But then I realized, well, if you're a child of God and you're a co-heir with Christ, then it would just be the Father's house. And so it's our Father's house as well, not Jesus' Father's house. And I also think it's fair when we talk about the house of the Father to just, like, to understand that this is heaven, Right, And so, let, lest there be any confusion, I don't think that there is heaven and then also the Father's house, like a summer, you know, you know vacation home. I, I, it's heaven, because what makes heaven heaven? It's the presence of God, right? So, if we're in the Father's house with Jesus, hey, we're in heaven. Anywhere we are with Jesus is going to be heaven. Now, I've heard somebody, many people argue this and will tell me that heaven sounds boring. Have you heard that? It's like heaven sounds boring. Well, that depends. <clears throat> that depends on your view of Jesus, right? Your view of Jesus is going to tell you how, how interesting heaven sounds. It's going to reflect your view of Jesus. And that's important because hope just isn't a place, but it's a person. 
that person who gets us there is also what makes the place we're going to worth going to, right? And so now in verse 5, Thomas asks a great question. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. <laughs> How can we know the way? So, great question. And as we looked at earlier in verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so to, to, to have that relief and that comfort from having a troubled heart, we must believe that Jesus is the way and the destination. Jesus is the way and the destination. Thomas asked the right question, how do we get there? And this is one of the greatest truths of the truth himself is like, even says in this passage, Jesus says, you know the way. It's almost like a play on words, right? You know the way, because you know me. I'm the way, right? I'm the truth. I'm just telling you what's true. You want life, you have to follow me. I'm the map to get to me, right? This crazy truth that they need to realize. And quite frankly, uh, one, even though it's the, one of the greatest truths, it's one of the truths that people hate about us. They hate this about our faith, right? This is why people call us names, because we say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way except through him. Right? This is where we find con uh, conflict with our culture, that we refuse to say that being a good person is okay. Right? We, we refuse every other way except saying that Jesus is the way. And so if you haven't been, you will be called narrow-minded and much, much worse things for believing this. And so we must believe that Jesus is the way and believe that he is the destination. After all, Jesus is what makes heaven, heaven. Think about this. As he's consoling the disciples, he, he's doing that by, by explaining to them, look, you're going to be confronted with death. You're going to see me die. But let not your hearts be troubled because I'm not going to stay dead. It's just one step on the way to me then going Conquering death and preparing a place for you. And we're going to hang out forever. You know, this is after Jesus has already told them where he goes, they can't follow. And so then this is like the great news. It's like the gospel, right? The bad news first. It's like, you guys can't go where I'm going. I'm going to die and conquer death. You guys can't follow that. But here's the part you can follow. After I conquer death, I'm going to go prepare a place and then you're going to follow me. And then you're going to end up there. You don't even have to do the hard part. <laughs> right? And so we know at, at, from all the way back at the beginning of, of John 13, where Jesus says, my heart is troubled. I'm going to do this super hard thing that nobody else can do and nobody else can follow. My heart is troubled. And then he comes back. And I really believe if I was one of the people who assigned chapters to John, that there is no John chapter 14. This is one thought. Right? This is just a continuation of John 13, where Jesus is concluding that thought. My heart is troubled, so yours doesn't have to be. I'm going to go where you can't go to take you where you couldn't have ever gone. Right? That is hope. That is why that is great news to them, and Jesus can command them. If you believe this, there's no way your heart can be troubled. There's no way. Like I, I'm doing this for us. I'm going to sacrifice now for our eternity. So the best part about heaven is Jesus. And just as we talked about a few 
uh, minutes ago, having that hope of place, you know, it, it can help us to overcome our current circumstances. But what about that hope of meeting a person? If you could meet anybody, who would you want to meet? Right? That's, that's, a, that's a good question, right? If you can meet anybody, who would you want to meet? Um, even somebody historically. You can meet anybody. I don't know. I thought about it. I, I couldn't even think. I was, you know, I don't know, Tim Keller, maybe R. Kent Hughes. Love to talk about ministry with them. If I can go back in time, I'd love to talk to Jonathan Edwards about theology, you know, maybe even help him, like, powder his wig, you know, just, <clears throat> I, would I, would, I would love to do that. Yet for those of us here who have experienced this miracle of faith, who have been called by the Holy Spirit, who do we want to meet? Right? We want to meet Jesus, right? We want to meet Jesus. Like, in a way, we, we've met Jesus, even though we've never met him, and now we, we are told that we can meet him. And so we can have this confidence that we're going to meet him. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you meet Jesus? <laughs> Hug, ask questions, high five, more hugs, celebration. I mean, Jesus is the hero, right? He's our best friend, our shepherd, our king, our bread of life, our light, savior. I mean, we can go on and on and list out these absolute truths of who, who Jesus is. And we're not talking about a meet and greet. I, I've gotten to meet a lot of my, like, sports heroes. I, I have a lot of autographs of hockey players, and that moment lasted like a couple of seconds. Hey, you're awesome. Can you sign this for me? Cool, all right, be cool, we'll see you later. And that was it. And that, that was it. And so Jesus is, is telling us he's going to prepare a place for us where we not only get to meet him, but we get to stay with him forever. Like the greatest person that we could ever desire to meet, who has given everything for us, everything, who gave us life from nothing, and then gave, gave himself up to give us everlasting life, we then get to meet and hang out with forever. We're going to be able to look into the face of God, to hear God's voice, behold his glory. And I, I always fear, I don't know if you guys ever saw the first Indiana Jones movie, but I just, like, you know, I couldn't watch it as a kid when that guy's melting as the... You know, I can't watch it as an adult, to be fair. Um, but that's the way I feel like beholding God's glory. Whenever I hear that word, I get scared at first. It's like, no, you don't open the, you don't, you can't gaze upon it. But, but we're going to be able to, to gaze upon it. And we know from other verses in the Bible that the reason we're going to be able to is because we're going to be in glory. And we're going to be perfect. And we're going to be able to see him as he is. And that's going to be great. We're going to have minds to comprehend God's glory. It's going to be great. <clears throat> Um, one quote I did find on this is by Jonathan Edwards. And he's talking about, like, joy that we're going to have in heaven. He said, The glorious excellencies and beauty of God will be what will forever entertain the minds of the saints. And the love of God will be their everlasting feast. The redeemed will indeed enjoy other things. They will enjoy angels. Uh, they will enjoy one another. But that which they shall enjoy in the angels or each other or in anything else whatsoever that will yield them delight and happiness will be what will be seen of God in them. 
And so it's like heaven's going to be awesome, and we're going to be with Jesus. But then even anything you do in heaven, the reason it's going to be awesome if I, when we see each other in heaven is because we're going to be glorified. Like the reason the angels are going to be excited to be around is because they're going to be worshiping Jesus. And so everything that's good about heaven is Jesus on every level, like God in everything. It's going to be overwhelming. And so while place alone, I think place alone can be a transcendent hope for us as, as we struggle, but more so it is the person who is our aim and hope, right? That we get, that we get to, to be with Jesus someday. The reality is, at the, end, at the end of the day, I would not buy, mind being in this room if Jesus was here, right? So it's not necessarily about the place. The fact that Jesus is preparing a place for us, awesome. Can't wait to see what that looks like. It's going to be great. But the point is that Jesus is going to be there. And so I would meet back in this room forever if Jesus was going to be here and if you were going to be here. So it's not just the place, but it's also, I think, more so the person and the fact that he's preparing a place is just like frosting and sprinkles, as far as I'm concerned, right? To, the, to, to his presence, right? To his glory. The fact that he has a place for us specifically, awesome. Can't wait. Can't even comprehend it. And in conclusion, church, like this life is a life of trouble. If you don't have trouble right now, praise God, enjoy that. But trouble's coming. You just never know. You never know. And you're just going to get like the most ridiculously insane, I'm going to go to the hospital in case of COVID. Or if you have just an awesome godly person in your life pass away, you just, you don't see those things coming. Your heart is going to be troubled. Yet we serve a good and great God who, who praise God, has given us each other. Let's not forget from chapter 13 as well. He's given us each other to comfort each other. But he also says he's preparing a place in his father's house and that Jesus is going to be with us forever. What could comfort us more? What could comfort us more? So church, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in Jesus. Let me pray for us. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.